Hello and welcome to episode number eight of Prosperity by the Pine. I'm your host, Bryce Carter, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant, certified investment management analyst, and self-proclaimed millennial money expert. This is the podcast where we talk about money, investing, business, and life success, all while having a cold beer. This episode, we are going to be talking about budgets, which is everybody's favorite topic. And this week, I am drinking, I'm really excited about this, one of my all-time favorite beers, probably one of the best beers in the world, and that is Bell's Hop Slam Ale. It's a double IPA uh, brewed with honey. It's a 10% alcohol by volume. This beer is like a legacy in Michigan. They have limited quantities. They fly off the shelf. I was lucky enough to get, oh, I don't know, about 12, 12 of these guys, so I am pumped to have this beer on the show. Like every episode, I'll give you some toast, uh, tasting notes throughout, and then at the end of the episode, we'll uh, give you my final review on the beer. So, first sip here. God, that is sweet and delicious. Ugh. Okay. So, for many people, budgeting is a pretty daunting topic. I think for a lot of different reasons, mostly because they feel like it's going to put them in putting their purse or wallet in a prison and that they're going to be restricted. And next thing you know, they're going to be, uh, you know, only eating when they eat out, it's going to be $5 footlongs and that kind of thing. But that's not really what a budget is. A budget is guide rails on the expressway. You have, you have lanes and those lanes have lines on them, but occasionally there's exit ramps and you need to get off and get back on. And that's kind of like what a budget's like is you should have guide rails. Occasionally you're going to go outside of, of those lines and you're going to get off on the exit ramp and you'll get back on, but it's not a prison. I think it's really inf- unfortunate that most people refuse to really sit down and settle on a budget because it's really one of the few ways that I know of to get people off of that paycheck to paycheck lifestyle, right? So certainly you can increase your income, but for a lot of people, if you increase your income, you just end up increasing your expenses too, which by doing budgeting should help with that. So what I'm going to do during this episode is give you kind of three different ways of budgeting, all of which I've done. Uh, Two were very similar, and then one is just a super easy, idiot-proof way of budgeting and making sure you're saving cash. So I'm going to give you some some, three different ways of budgeting and then some big budget no-nos in my opinion, okay? I'm going to lose my mind if I don't finish this beer by the end of this episode just because it's so good. A lot of times I talk too much to finish all my beers, so we're finishing the beer this episode. Okay, so first things first. This is what I do for a living. I do financial planning. I do retirement planning. I do investing. I've met with hundreds of couples I've heard every single excuse. I don't have time. Bullshit. It takes 10 to 15 minutes a week to do your budgeting. Uh, My income is variable. It's too hard to budget. My expenses are variable. My dog ate my budget. If you have an excuse, I've heard it, and they're all crap. They all suck. You can do a budget. Anybody can do a budget. If you have income and you have expenses, this is part of adulting. So make a budget. So first tip, quit making excuses and just get it done. The second thing is... And I want each of you to do this if you haven't made a budget is if you're a younger person, go ask your parents if they make a budget and then ask yourself if are they financially responsible. So, you know, your parents, you might perceive them as financially responsible or you might know that they live paycheck to paycheck. Odds are if you perceive your parents as financially responsible and you ask them if they have a budget or how they've budgeted throughout their lives, they're going to have a pretty straightforward answer. They might even have Excel spreadsheets with their budget. 
and your, your parents might talk about it and meet about it. If you perceive your parents as living paycheck to paycheck, I'm going to bet you that they do not budget, that they don't sit down and they don't have a list of their recurring expenses and a plan. And I think that'll just be a lesson to kind of reinforce the need for budgeting. So one real quick thing here before I get into my first uh, strategy for budgeting is how you can track your budget. So we're living in the digital age, baby. So there is a lot of really great free tools out there. Um, You know, mint.com is one of them. Uh, I use a software called eMoney, which is it's a financial planning application that I pay for. Uh, but it's got some extra things to it. There's Pocket Guard. There's a bunch of different softwares out there that are going to track your expenses, QuickBooks, you name it. And uh, so you got all these free resources. So that's you can take advantage of that. But I'm a little bit old school in this sense. I love technology, but I still love a good old Excel spreadsheet or Google Worksheet because you're actually you're kind of touching the numbers. You're moving them around. You're dragging and dropping that that uh, $32 dinner uh, over into the, you know, discretionary spending column. And so when you have your your hands and your fingers on your working that budget, you get a better feel of where your money's going. And when you have a better feel of where your money's going, you're going to be more responsible with it. So I, I do use eMoney to track it, but I also have a Google Sheet. It's a program that is built out in Google. It was it had a bunch of columns pre-made, uh, and then I modified it to work for me. If you want it, if you want to see the uh, the budget spreadsheet I kind of work with, just uh, send a message to the Prosperity by the Pint Facebook page, and I will uh, I will get you a copy of that emailed. So working with these apps can be a great tool, but really I think the good old-fashioned Excel spreadsheet or Google Worksheet can work just as good. So using those tools in conjunction can also be really nice. I like having the eMoney software because it can give me just a real quick, nice, quick glance at what my checking account, savings accounts at, where the expenses are without having to really do anything. I can also track my investments and so forth through there. So with the budgeting, I want to say that it is a couple's deal, right? So if you're in a relationship, it is always a bad idea to keep money separate with a few exceptions to the rule, which is if it's second marriages and things like that. What I want to see is people sitting down for 5, 10, or 15 minutes a week and reviewing the budget as a couple. I tell you, I've worked with hundreds of couples on their finances, and never have I seen couples doing their money and doing their finances and doing their bills separate where it's worked out positively for them, okay? So, you know, you're married to the person, you're connected to the person, you guys are probably living together, and and if you're having children together, you can do some budgeting together, okay? And I I think what your spouse has to be is an accountability partner with it. And it gives you a a sounding board for when you want to buy something. You can talk and discuss it. So that that would be just another quick thing is it's got to be done as a team. You're a team in, uh, you know, building your house, uh, raising your children. You should be a team on building your budget too. So the first budget strategy that that I use uh, or would recommend is actually the one that I use. So it's it's pretty simple. Go ahead and list out your fixed expenses. That's your mortgage and your Comcast bill and your utilities. You should be able to estimate pretty close. Your car payment, your car insurance, all those things are fixed and don't really change a whole lot. So list out all those fixed expenses. Then go ahead and estimate your variable expenses. That would be your groceries, your eating out, uh, that would be just about anything that changes throughout throughout the month. 
okay, for month to month. So estimate out those fixed and variable expenses. And let's say, just to use a nice easy number, that that number rounds out to 5000 a month. So your expenses, your bills, and everything as a household are 5000 a month. The goal would be, and, and it may take you a while to get here, and that's okay, is to have in your checking account, your primary checking account, $5,000 at the beginning of the month. So you have these expenses listed out. You know they're 5000 Make the goal to have in your checking account 5000 As you go through the month, especially the first couple of months, you're going to realize, hey, I underestimated this category, overestimated that category. And then you can really drill down and realize, oh, crap, I'm eating out way too much and start to you know really scale that back. This is just tracking your money will tell you where you're wasting your money. So you're going to make some adjustments, especially the first couple of months. Now, the idea being is if your budget, if you are budgeting for $5,000 a month in expenses and you get your checking account up to $5,000 and at the end of the month, there's 5,300 bucks, transfer the 300 to the savings account. That is as simple as it is. So you have your fixed and variable expenses, what they add up to, you know what your income adds up to. The goal would be to have all of your expenses, all of your monthly expenses, a dollar amount in your checking account to cover all of those at the beginning of the month. So if it's $5,000, you want $5,000 in your checking account. And if the, at the end of the month you have 5,300 left after your income and everything comes in, so you're saving 300 bucks. So you make this adjustment, you're adjusting your budget, you're making those savings contributions. So there has to be a goal with this saving. Now I just want to back up for a minute. If you're planning on taking a trip a year from now and it's $3,000, do not wait until a year from now to pay for the thing. Start budgeting now. Start budgeting the $250 a month that you're you're going to need, that you're expecting to need, and that is a budget line item, okay? So future expenses you need to anticipate. If you know you're probably going to need uh, tires in a year and your tires for your car are going to cost 400 bucks, set aside a little bit of money every month for that, okay? Set those expenses aside and put that in a different savings account than your emergency fund savings account. So what I prefer to have is a checking account, two savings accounts, and one credit card. I'll get to the credit cards in a minute. So once you're you're doing this and you're starting to realize, okay, I got $100, $200, $300 extra each month, and you're setting that aside, what I want you to do is set a goal of if you're single, you want six months of expenses in a savings account, six months. Okay. So if your bills are 5,000 a month, you want 30,000 sitting in a savings account. If you're a dual income household, meaning boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, and wife, husband, and husband, whatever, and your bills are 5,000 a month, you want 15,000, three months worth sitting in a savings account. Once you are above and beyond those numbers, what you can go ahead and do is start thinking about saving and investing outside, right? You can start thinking about uh, investing in stocks or rental real estate. See episode four or episode six on real estate as an investment or investing in stocks. So the goal would be to get three or six months worth of expenses set aside in an easily accessible, but not too easily accessible savings account that's your emergency fund. Believe me, there's never been a person that went into a recession, became disabled, had a medical issue pop up, uh, had a, a, a spouse, partner, child pass away that was mad that they had too much money in the savings account. You can never be too prepared there. And most Americans can't get through a surprise $1,000 expense, let alone three to six months worth of, of, of expenses. So that's, that's my preferred way to budget. And I think just the simple step of starting to lay that stuff out, list out your fixed, list out your variable, will go a long way to really helping your, your, your personal financial situation.
So this beer is uh, it's hoppy, but it's also you can tell they they did finish it with honey because it is just it's just it's hoppy, but it finishes really sweet. So that's budgeting strategy number one. Budgeting strategy number two, very very similar, but as opposed to saving, be and this is the way I did it for a long time before I shifted, and uh, I it works really well. It just uh, I I think it can set some unrealistic expectations, and I think you have to be much much more disciplined with this. So it gives you a little bit more flexibility. So the second way is very similar. You need to know your estimated expenses and you need to know your estimated income. But what you add into your estimated expenses is savings. You need to add up your expenses, add up your income. And if there's a $1,000 difference, that $1,000 is a line item for saving, okay? So instead of saving excess income each month, you are literally budging in in as an expense savings. So that is, and I'm not just talking about, uh, you know, things like your Roth IRA contribution, your $300, four or $600 a month that automatically gets invested. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about extra cold, hard cash savings. Okay. So that's, that's it. Uh, budget option number two is you, you, you still have to do the same premise. You still have to track your expenses. You still have to track your income. You have to estimate those things and make slight adjustments and you need to review it 10 or 15 minutes a week, particularly with, per, particularly with your spark partner, but you're putting in savings as an expense item, not an overflow. Okay. So the last thing, this is this worked really well for, and I, so I've done all of these budgeting methods personally for various different periods of time. My wife and I did this one for about two years. We did this for about 24 months. And I will say that it probably, uh, at the time, my income was very variable. So this worked really well uh, because it, it forced me to save every single time I got paid. So this is the idiot-proof method, all right? And this, it comes from this premise, the 70-30 rule, is if all of us could just live off of 70% of our income, we'd be doing damn good. I mean, as a country, if we could just live off of 70% of our income, save 10% for emergencies, save 10% for retirement, and give 10% to charity, this country would not have nearly the problems we do right now. But that's wishful thinking for most, most people. I understand that. So here's the premise is if you have a work-sponsored 401k retirement plan, at least 10% goes into that. After you get paid every single paycheck, automatically, you need to set it up as an auto transfer, so you, you, it's idiot proof, is 10% of your paycheck just straight goes to a savings account, automatically. So 10% to a retirement account at work, minimally, and 10% to an emergency fund. Same rule, If you once you get to three to six months of expenses, you need to start thinking about doing some other things with it. But the big thing with this, the difference is that you're automatically forcing yourself to save. So if you're a person that has very variable income, you're automatically, each time you get that big paycheck, uh, you're, you're automatically saving that. So the big deal that I, I look at with this is that you still need to monitor your expenses. Uh, this is the method where I'm thinking you're probably not going to use an e, you know, an e-money, electric financial planning tool, a, a mint.com or something like that. Um, you're, you're probably still going to use those, but you're not going to use the Excel spreadsheets. So you need to use those applications to give you a broad, quick look at your expenses. Uh, but you're probably not going to be inputting it into Excel spreadsheet. And hence, that's probably why you're doing the idiot proof method anyways. So think about that just automatically 10% aside. So 
In conclusion with budgeting, I've heard people say there's no right and wrong way to do it, and that's not true. There's definitely a wrong way to do it, which is to not do it at all. Uh, I do need to spend just a minute and go back and talk about credit cards. So there is a lot of people that are promoting right now, I see it all the time, that you should use credit cards uh, to cover all your bills, and then at the end of the month, pay it off, so that way you get the rewards point. That is a Bryce Carter financial planning no-no until you have the three or six months of cash set aside because it takes an incredible amount of discipline to do that correctly. I've seen people dig themselves in holes and not to mention if you've built up a credit card balance and you can't pay it off instantly, you're all of a sudden going to start accumulating interest on those credit cards. So that is a big Bryce Carter no-no until you have the three to six uh, months of income expenses set aside in cash. So there is wrong ways to budget. But the big thing is just to do it. There's this stigma in our society that we shouldn't talk about money and it couldn't be more wrong. We need to talk about money. Otherwise, how do we educate ourselves? We don't talk about it with our parents. We don't talk about it enough with our spouses. We certainly don't talk about it enough with our kids. Which, by the way, let me know if you think I should write a child's book called Savy the Squirrel and it's going to be about saving. It's going to be a children's book. Let me know if you think that's a good idea. I'm thinking about it. We need to talk about finances more and particularly budgeting. So it's not, it's not the funnest thing to do. I get it, but you get an enormous amount of satisfaction starting to see those numbers build in your savings account and starting to realize you're adulting really well. You're winning at this life game. So I'm going to wrap up just with some tasty notes on this. So again, it's a, it's a 10% alcohol beer, but you don't really, you don't really taste. The, it doesn't feel like a 10% alcohol beer. It just tastes like, uh, a sweet pale ale, if you will. It's not, I mean, even though it's a double IPA, it's not even super hoppy, right? It doesn't have that bittery piney thing. It's just, uh, it's just sweet because of the honey, I think. So it is again, Bell's Hop Slam Ale. Uh, it is a delicacy here in Michigan. If you're outside of Michigan, I don't know that they actually distribute this outside of Michigan. Uh, Bell's is a, uh, a, a Michigan beer made in Kalamazoo. A lot of a lot of great beers. This is probably this. This is not a doubt. This is my favorite of their beers. But uh, yeah, this is I highly recommend. So, cheers to budgeting. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you watch, we're there. Thanks.